Welcome back to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm. You know what? Trades are fun to talk about. So today, on today's show, brought in Michael Martin from Sellout Crowd. We're going to kick around some trade ideas, and I'm going to look at it from multiple angles here. Because we get so fixated about, I want to make this trade that fixes just my team. But, you know, two teams have to agree to this, or you know, maybe multiple if you make it a bigger trade. So we've got a few ideas. We're going to talk them out. And uh, just kind of just kind of give you a little bit of the logic behind some of these hypothetical trades. So, you know, with that, uh, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors. Sponsors for the show include MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Jobs, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineups of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. So with that, Michael. Welcome to the show. How's it going for you today? Very good. I uh, let's let's make a deal edition of a uh, big friendly sports. <laughs> See what I can do. I, I tried to curate some trades for you after you requested it, so I'm very excited for this. Yeah. So before we get going, just just to kind of set the table a little bit. So like trades are fun. Like I get that. Uh, I'm a guy that is part of Sellout Crowd largely because of my understanding of how these rules work and how the trades work in the NBA. So they are fun to talk about. They're fun to think about. When trades happen, there's a dopamine hit that is exhilarating. Uh, for a lot of fans, like just the speculation is enough to race to the trade machine and and put together a trade like you're at a Coca-Cola freestyle machine trying to see what you can put together. Um but, you know, my views and understanding of the NBA and trades have evolved over the years. So trades are so much more complex than the old who says no concept of things. Just because a trade machine runs hundreds of lines of code and spits out a yes to a trade idea, that doesn't mean it has a chance of happening in real life. And not every trade can be fixed with an extra pick here and there. You know, it's, that's just the reality of things. You know, these are complex business decisions, often involving millions of dollars, tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions in some cases. Um, and that's really what they are. They're complex business deals. And oh, by the way, there's the human element here as well. Human beings are involved in these trades. And that's a whole other set of boxes that have to be checked on one side or the other. Um, and the human element means a deal more than than what people really understand at times. Uh, it's absolutely a factor in all of these trades. So you know, today we're going to go over some of these trades that are, they're either perfectly salary cap legal or they're close enough to it. Um, you know, one where you maybe could hypothetically throw in an extra salary one side or the other and make it work. Um, so these are just examples. These are just ideas. Uh, some of these were kind of pulled from what people are talking about. These are not Rumors based on deep reporting. This is not John Ham saying sources are telling me it's none of that. Uh, we're just having a little bit of fun here to talk about this. So these are thought exercises, and that's about it. So um, as I ponder these, you know, I'm going to look at again both sides of this. And one big disclaimer before we get started: obviously, the investigations surrounding Josh Giddy are a significant factor in his NBA future. We'll delve into that some as we go uh, throughout this as well. But you know, obviously that that is uh, that is a complication. That's a whole other thing that that has to resolve itself. So. Now that I've had all that ramble there, Michael, uh, let's get in and talk about a few hypothetical trades. And, you know, I'm not here to, to tell you they're dumb or they're stupid or they're silly. Uh, we're just going to talk it out. And, and, you know, maybe someone goes, you know what? I hadn't thought about it that way. So let's let's see where this takes us. 
I'm excited. Yeah, you might think that they're done, but you won't say it. And that's that's the most important thing, saving my feelings. So let's, let's get into it. <laughs> All right, fire one at me here. First one I have is a little bit more tame. This is a deadline deal. Gordon Hayward and his expiring deal of $31.1 million. I think there's a trade kicker that I asked you about. In exchange, the Hornets would get Davis Bertans and his deal that's $17 million for this year and then $5 million for 24-25 after it was reconstructed earlier this season. Vasily Micic and his three-year deal that is $7.7 annually and a team option in 25-26. And then two second rounds uh, picks coming from Houston's 2024 and Atlanta in 2025. So the interesting thing there, um, so looking at this from the Hornets' perspective, uh, there's a bit of a turning of the corner there with Brandon Miller. Uh, if LaMelo Ball could could just get healthy, maybe you know we could see what they're capable of. And you know, again, it's a bit of a turning of the corner there. So you understand why Gordon Hayward might hypothetically be available via trade, and you know something like this, it it does make sense a bit for Charlotte now they would be adding money onto their books for next season. And when you talk about a lot of these trades, you know, if if they're going from having no money committed next season to, you know, potentially 5 million, 12 million, you know, they're going to want to be compensated for that. So that's something that that comes to my mind as well. You know, maybe the two second round picks is enough. Maybe they're fine with just moving his uh, his contract along, moving him along, opening up some more time and essentially buying a couple of second round picks would be one way to look at it. Um, and now for OKC, Hayward is pretty interesting as uh, as an addition to OKC. Um, you know, the Thunder are off to a really good start um, and they've got, they've got a number of guys. They can't seem to play all of the guys that they really need to get time for. But, um, you know, injuries happen. Uh, cold streaks happen. Um, you potentially, if this team you know gets into the playoffs in a situation where they could advance, maybe there's a uh, maybe there's an advantage they could find. So um, I think a move like this it does make sense for OKC a short term deal. You know, maybe they bring back Hayward at a lower number. You know, for the following season or maybe beyond that a little bit. Um, but even then, if they just just traded just to put him on the roster, make him the latest uh, Karan Butler <laughs> for this season, uh, Markeith Morris, etc. You know, it, it's something that, that is kind of interesting. And I, I could see the fit there. And again, for Charlotte's side, um, you know, they would pick up some draft assets, but they would add some money onto the books for next season. Absolutely. I like the deal. Like you mentioned, um, I didn't exactly consider all the ramifications of them adding some extra money, but they're going to get those two seconds and it clears the way for Brandon Miller to get more games in. And right now with Gordon Hayward, you're kind of in a use it or lose it situation with his salary. And I think that he's a guy who, if they don't trade him, he's going to walk in free agency anyway. So why not get something? And then him with the Thunder, you mentioned it's about people too. I really like the idea of getting a veteran who's played in some big games in this locker room because the Thunder, as much talent as they have, they don't have anyone with really great experience and deep runs. And just having that guy in the locker room who can talk about certain things, but what it means to be an all-star and other things like that, I think could be very important for the growth of this team. And he's not going to be somebody who upsets the apple cart and like makes you flip your roster upside down. I think that he would willingly play a role on this team. I think he'd fit. And, you know, he can handle the basketball well. He can shoot well. Um, and, yeah, he's at the stage of his career. I believe he's 32 or 33 years old. Uh, you know, where a reduced role at this point may be less of a concern than it would be for some other people that we're probably going to talk about here as we as we rifle through some of these trade ideas. So um, 
I, I like it. It's really interesting. And, uh, you know, again, just just some food for thought if you're uh, also out there wondering about Gordon Hayward and OKC. Are you ready for the next one, John? Let's do it. Trade two. It's going to be a tease. It's not the jazz trade that you're thinking of, but it's uh, Davis Bertans at same contract I mentioned before, 17 million the rest of the season, 5 million for 24 25, a 2024 second round pick from Houston, and another 2024 second round pick that either comes from Boston or Memphis. It has some protections. In exchange, the Thunder would get Kelly Olinick and his expiring $12.1 million contract. Yeah, Olenek is another popular guy uh, sort of making the rounds. And I mean, we can start sort of at the the people level. He knows Shea Gildas-Alexander and Lou Dort very well. Um, and, you know, that sort of skill set in a big man has proven to be successful. We can look at Mike Mascala. We can look at the, the, the stint of Dario Saric last season. We can see how they've been using Chet Holmgren with some pick and pops. Uh, Jalen Williams is capable of that as well. Um, so it's definitely an interesting fit in terms of, you know, getting a, a, a more proven big man. And again, Jay will has proven, you know, to do really well. He's not shooting the ball like he did last season, but that felt unsustainable anyway. Um, and this is, again, I think we're, I think we're looking at these, you and I sort of like to get through the season. Right. Mm -hmm. And then evaluate afterwards. It's more about maybe fortifying an area of weakness for the team just through the rest of this season into the playoffs and then reevaluate. Uh, from Utah's side, I mean, similar thing. They would be adding some money, a small amount on the books, you know, for next season with uh, with Bertans' buyout. Um, and that's, again, where the, the draft compensation comes in. So, you know, but otherwise, you know, I'm really curious what direction Utah is going to go in here. Um, they may not do a full, complete teardown, but someone like Olenek on expiring contract, similar to Hayward, you know, if you're able to trade him and, and pick up a couple of things, I mean, I think that's that's just smart. And, you know, Danny Ainge, who is essentially running the team now, and, and you know, he's not the general manager, but he's over basketball operations. That's typically the, the type of move you would expect from him. Yeah, I like this deal. Kelly Olenek, you mentioned those names of Jalen Williams, Jay Will, Dario Saric, and Mike Muscala. I feel like he's kind of an averaged out version of all three of those guys. Like he just kind of takes skills from each one of them, where you have more of the shooting from Muscala, you have more of the size from Saric and some of the passing uh, from Jay Will. So I think that he'd be a nice fit. And this isn't something where it's just replacing Jay Will. I think that you just want to have optionality and extra bodies. Like you see that throughout the Thunder's roster, except for really at the big position. And you can mm -hmm. still go small with Kenrich or Jay Will, but just having another big body as you go through the West when you have to play teams like Denver and Minnesota and the Lakers and others, it's nice to just have that other option. And like you said, this isn't some flip the team upside down trade. It's more of a shot in the arm of just like, let's see what we can do in this playoff run and evaluate from there. Yeah. Another solid trade. And again, I know that there are some there are some Thunder fans and observers when when they think about making a trade. They're usually thinking a lot bigger than this. But when this team has got Shea Gilgis Alexander, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, J Dub, um, they're in pretty good shape. They're up at the top. So tinkering with with some of the rotation. Um, that is something that that could prove very beneficial as well. It's not always about going out and bidding, you know, get, getting the big uh, quality addition. Although we are going to talk about those here in a minute. 
yeah, like you were saying, a lot of these are just smaller trades that you see because the reality is, John, you probably remember where you were when the Anthony Davis deal went down and some of the James Harden's deal. They're they're blockbusters yeah. for a reason because they are big and they don't happen often. But here's another one um, that I think could just be a nice um, rotation piece for the Thunder that helps them. That is with the Brooklyn Nets where they would receive Davis Bertans just getting passed around in his salary, unfortunately. <laughs> Two years, that is $17 million left. You know the deal, $5,024.25. A 2024 first-round pick from the Thunder that is a Utah pick, technically, that is top 10 protected, and a 2025 76ers second-round pick. In exchange, the Thunder would obtain Dorian Finney-Smith and his deal that is around $14 million per year with three years left, and there is a player option in the last year of that deal. Yeah. Now, the one thing for Brooklyn side, they're not really in a big payroll crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're in pretty good shape moving forward. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie comes off, comes off the books after this season. Uh, I'm sure, you know, they would probably like to resign Nick Claxton probably for a lot more than he's making right now. Royce O'Neal's contract comes off. Um, and then there's Ben Simmons deal. Who's he's got $40 million after the season. Um, that's either like one big hunkin' expiring contract to, to trade, um, and maybe package some of those picks and go out and, and bring someone in to, to pair with Mikhail Bridges. Um, that's also a contract you could potentially, you know, wave and stretch, although they may not have a reason to do that. Point being is that, you know, the Nets don't necessarily need to, to dump salary, you know, because of any apron concerns, luxury tax concerns, something that's going to hinder their roster movement. Um, so I think, you know, in this case, the rationale for them making that kind of a trade would be, you know, to, to get a quality asset in return, maybe like free up the rotation a little bit because they are cramped with mm-hmm. a lot of wing type players. Um, so in that sense, I think it makes sense, again, to get another pick if they are going to go out and try to, you know, go make a, a bigger move down the road. I mean, you know, if Donovan Mitchell winds up on the market, potentially um, having just another draft pick in there would be would be helpful um, from OKC side. I wonder if that would be another one of those. We will trade you the least favorable of these eight first round picks we have in this particular draft, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rather than, you know, pinning down to a specific one. But, you know, if Brooklyn could come out of this with a good first round pick, potentially a second round pick, um, you know, it would give them some financial flexibility, but it would give them something else to throw into a future trade. So, um, I could see I could see all of that from the Nets perspective. From OKC side, you know, here's another guy that is is a quality teammate. He's a quality player, quality rotation player. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of the tool set to to step in and and add something. And again, he's under contract for a little bit longer, not an expiring deal. Um, the Thunder's books are able to accommodate his salary next season. I believe that that last year is at a player option. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Um that's kind of up in the air. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to see what the next TV deal looks like. Uh, he may be able to opt out and get more money because a lot of money is coming into the league. But, you know, even if it is just a just a two year deal or something where the Thunder turn around next year and, you know, move them again as part of another trade. Um, I can I can see the fit on the floor and I can see the fit on the cap sheet as well for him. Yeah, for the Nets side, I think that they are going to go star hunting in the next few off seasons. And this is one of the situations where they're sort of in the play-in mix, but I think this is another one of those seasons where the Rockets own their first. So mm-hmm. you get a first if you want to use it, or if you want to move it on for another player to help pair with Mikhail Bridges. And then for the Thunder side, 
like you mentioned, you get a playoff vet, a guy who's been in some big games, who played in the Western Conference Finals, was a big part of that team with the Mavericks that lost to the Warriors eventually. In the last five seasons, John, he has shot 37%, 39, 39, 34, and 44% from three. He's doing that this year on five and a half attempts per game. And to me, he's sort of in that Robert Covington mold as a player and on a contract where he's always going to have value. So if mm-hmm. it doesn't work, that's a quick pivot that you can throw in some other deal. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely see the fit. The The only other, it's not really a concern. Um, the thing that, that I have noted before, like putting together trades where you're only trading out like Bertans or you're only trading out a few guys at the end of the bench. Um, the Thunder have a pretty quality nine-man rotation right now. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even include like Aaron Wiggins, who sometimes it's like, man, I wish this guy could get on the floor more. Um, that doesn't include Vasilye Mietzich, where it's like, man, it feels like he could come out and steady the second unit. Like, it's hard to get some of those guys, even an Usman Jang, where, you know, he's just not able to get a lot of court time right now. Point being is that they have a quality nine man rotation. So trading guys that are out of the rotation for someone that needs minutes, um, that crunches things even more. But Mark Dagnall has shown that, you know, he'll play between nine and 15 guys on any given night. You know, that's that's a riddle he could probably figure out how to solve. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's a good point of they already kind of are in a numbers crunch, but just it's crazy to think about in the last few years where there weren't enough NBA players. And now we're in a position where you have too many guys and not enough minutes, but (laughs) it's a nice problem. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a problem every team would like to have, but I think Dorian Finney Smith is a guy who could give you some nice, nice minutes. Like I mentioned for Gordon Hayward, no Linux in a playoff run. And then you evaluate from there. Yep. I like it. All right. What else we got here? Next trade. I don't know how many people saw this one coming. The Thunder and the Wizards make a deal. Would you like to start with the Thunder side or the Wizards side first of what they um, receive? You know, let, let's go ahead and talk about who the who the Thunder are sending out because I have a I have a sneaking suspicion who's going to be part of this. Davis Bertans, believe it or not, is a part of this deal. <laughs> uh, Vasile Poor Davis, yes, <laughs> three year deal, seven point seven annually team option last year. You know all that. Poku's five million dollar expiring deal, and then the contract that you've been waiting for is. Josh Giddy with a $6.5 million cap hold. Uh, he's, I don't, uh, this is a question for you. I'll, I'll ask it after I get through the picks. 2024 first, that same Utah pick, the top 10 protected, a 2024 second round pick from Houston, and a 2025 Miami first that is lottery protected. Um, or you can grade this first, but I just wanted to ask eventually about Josh. If you're traded at this point, how soon can you be extended by that team? If mm-hmm. he was to, because I know his he's extension eligible this summer, at least for the Thunder. Yeah, um, because he's on a rookie contract, it's fine. If if any player on in the third year of their rookie contract is traded now, uh, they can still be extended this summer. It's not unusual for you know, hey, this guy probably doesn't fit here long term. We're going to move him on to another team, and they're actually going to do the extension. Um, you know, in the case of OKC and James Harden, I mean, that was a few days before the start of the season. Uh, and that was so the Rockets had time to actually do that extension. So, yeah, that's not a concern about trading a guy midway through the season can still do the rookie extension uh, this summer if, if the two sides agree. And on the other side, the Thunder would receive Kyle Kuzma and Tyus Jones. All right. So from the Wizards point of view. I think whenever Kuzma was re-signed, a lot of people said, okay, that's just to trade him later. I think probably Kuzma could not get 
the kind of contract uh, on the open market that he could get by returning to the Wizards. So, you know, hey, just go ahead, resign the type of contract that you are are worthy of, and uh, and we'll find a situation for you later. Um, so it, that's sort of what I suspect. I don't really know if Kuzma's going to be there throughout the second rebuild of, you know, whatever the, the Wizards turn into on the other side. I don't really know that Kuzma's going to be a part of that. His contract is, is good in the sense that it's descending. It starts mm-hmm. this season at, uh, let me pull that up, $25.5 million. It goes down to 23.5, then 21.5, down to 19, and, and a little bit over 19. Uh, so on one hand, that's really nice um, to have like a, a player locked up on a long-term deal on a descending contract. That's uh, really valuable. So now let's talk about Kuzma, the player. If OKC was offensively challenged, I could kind of see it. Um, you know, he played a good role on those Lakers teams uh, you know, that went to that won the finals in the bubble, and and uh, you know, of course, then he was traded as part of the Westbrook deal. Uh, but the thing about it is, he doesn't rebound well for his size. So a lot of people are concerned about how can the Thunder add another rebounder. Doesn't really fix that. And then the trade off that the Thunder make is, okay, we're not going to have a big bulky team. We're not obsessed with getting all the rebounds, but we're going to generate a lot of steals. That's also something that Kuz was not known for either. So um, my other concern there would be, you know, he was he was good in sort of a confined role with the Lakers. He's with the Wizards. He's got a lot of opportunities. How? What? What's that like when you have to scale back down again? Um, that could be a concern there as well. So, um, so like the the Kuzma fit itself, I'm 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 kind of iffy on. Um, from the Wizards standpoint, you know, again, a guy like Josh Giddy, which you know, let's let's take let's take aside for a moment. You know, the investigation. We don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, that could obviously, that could obviously upend things tremendously, um, depending on how that unfolds. And, you know, right now I'm sure pretty much every team in the league, um, you know, would, would want to wait to see the result of that. Uh, and that's why I mentioned in the opening monologue, like there's obviously a complication there until his situation is, um, you know, a lot more clear, you know, uh, I, I don't know that another team is going to, is going to be willing to bring him in to you know, potentially have to to play without him for some period of time. But, um, you know, let's put that aside for the moment. It's possible that he could, he could benefit from a situation where he's got the ball in his hands again, and he's able to create a whole lot. And he's not, you know, the fourth option on the team as a player, it might benefit Josh, Biddy, uh, Josh Giddy to get onto, you know, get into another situation eventually. So uh, I definitely understand the idea of, you know, moving him somewhere where potentially that could happen for him. And, uh, you know, the other parts of that are basically, I think, expiring deals. You know, Mitzic is at least sort of a veteran guy, uh, at least from a European standpoint. And he's not a uh, he's not a total drain on the books going forward. So, you know, looking at that, my analysis of that would be, I just don't know about the fit with Kyle Kuzma on OKC. If they needed a few more points, you know, that might be the kind of guy that could come off the bench and, and do some stuff. But um, those other factors that are important to OKC, he just doesn't really seem to have them. Um, I'll, I'll try my best to defend this here. Uh, I'll start with the <laughs> Wizards side. Uh, you have the Will Dawkins connection back to Oklahoma yep. City. 
And Josh, when you look at the Wizards, they are playing the long game with this rebuild. And a guy like Josh needs time and he needs opportunity. And there aren't a lot of great point guard prospects in this draft from what I've heard and the different draft people I've talked to. So maybe this is your buy low on a guy, assuming, you know, casting aside some of the other things that we know that are going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for the Thunder side of things, I like Kuzma a little bit more than you. You mentioned that he's not a good rebounder. That is true. Last year, he did average eight and a half boards. He had like a nice run of double digits. And I think that if you put him in a position sort of like with the Lakers, where it's just like, here are the three things you do. Um, I think that he can be very effective as being sort of a, a role player. He's not a great steals guy like you mentioned, but just seeing him on the Lakers, I think that there's something there. But the bigger question is like what you mentioned is he's already got his ring. He's got his money now. Does he really want to go back to doing that or does he want to be this pseudo lower level all-star sort of potential guy who's just putting up sort of empty calorie stats? And then the last thing I'll mention is Tyus Jones, who I thought of more of than just an expiring deal. I think that if you trade Josh, you're going to need a few more extra ball handling reps. And he is the quintessential backup point guard. I think Mark would love him other than the fact that he's only six one. He's not yeah. super thundery in that sense. But John, he has a seven to one assist to turnover ratio. He has turned the ball over yeah. 20 times in 26 games with 142 assists. For reference, Trey Young in the last week played five games, had 28 turnovers. <laughs> also, yeah. uh, Tyus Jones is a solid three-point shooter at 36% for his career and 39% from three this year on 3.3 attempts. I think that's just another example of that kind of shot in the arm, just playoff run, wipe your hands clean after it's over. And then the Kuzma deal, even if it doesn't work out, it's another flippable salary long-term that I think some team would be interested. I don't think he's somebody like Jordan Poole that has negative trade value yeah thankfully we're not spending a lot of time talking about jordan Poole to okc this one (laughs) this one makes a little more sense again some of this is just sort of like my view of 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 kuzman i can definitely understand uh you know the things that you bring up as well so um definitely interesting um and yeah i i totally glossed over you know tyus jones in that uh in that trade but Everything you mentioned is accurate. I mean, he was key for the Grizzlies whenever, you know, John Morant had to miss time and, you know, they traded him in a deal to get Marcus Smart before the season. And and frankly, I think they missed him, especially when you see Jacob Gilliard playing so many minutes like we saw the other night. They somehow got a smaller backup point guard than a 6'1 guy. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. But yeah, yeah, I think Mark would love him. And the Thunder are a bigger team. Even Kaysen's like 6'3". So having one smaller guy just in your rotation, I don't think would set everything you built on fire. And it's mm-hmm. only for one season. Yep. Yep. Very interesting. All right. Let's uh, let's get through our last one here because this one's going to be fun. The The magnum opus. Let's see. <laughs> the Thunder will trade to the Jazz. Josh Giddy and his contract, Davis Bertans and his, Usman Jang and his deal of three years left, four point seven million. Um, the Jazz get their top ten protected uh, pick back, so they can tank their hearts out if they want to. They also get a twenty twenty four Clippers pick that is unprotected via the Thunder, and then I also intertwine the Mavericks in here, who throw a lottery protected first in twenty twenty five. The Jazz's way as long as, as well as Rashawn Holmes' two year deal with twelve mil left. He has a player option. This summer, which I would assume he's going to pick up probably, uh, the Mavericks would receive Kelly Olynyk and his 12.1 expiring deal. And the Thunder, drumroll please, receive 
the darling of Thunder Twitter, Lori Markinen and Taylor Horton Tucker for salary reasons and just an expiring deal. Yeah. Okay. That is that is interesting. I mean, really the meat of this is putting together a trade for Lowry Markin in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um so my thought process on Markinen, um, do the Jazz actually want to trade Lowry Markinen? And what usually happens is a team gets off to a slow start. They've got a really good player. And it's immediately like, well, you need to go poach that player off of that team. We see this time and time again. We've even seen it like the Cavs have a couple of injuries. And it's like, well, time to trade Donovan Mitchell. Like, not necessarily. Um, Markinen's contract uh, can be renegotiated and extended, meaning they can bump him up from that $17 million figure and their books are really clear to where they could do that. Um, matter of fact, Oklahoma City could theoretically do that too if he was traded uh, if he was traded here. So, um, so that's like kind of the contractual stuff that I'm looking at on that. Again, like Utah may want to hang on to him and see if they can get another guy. You know, reportedly they tried to at least engage in conversations on Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday. And, you know, Markinen may not be the number one or one A guy on a championship team, but, you know, he is someone that that can be good for you, that if you do get someone else or if a Keontae George develops, then you know, you've got something to work with there. And I don't I don't know that Danny Ainge is like obsessed about making Utah's own pick better by, you know, shipping everyone out. And I think he, he might have a different philosophy than like the Thunder and Sam Presti had. And that's simply because the Celtics had so much luck, like building a team off of the Brooklyn Nets and just letting their picks doing the hard work for them. Um, now, as far as marketing in Oklahoma City, um, he checks a lot of boxes, especially as a seven footer that can rebound, stretch the floor, can put the ball on the floor and create some. Uh, he's he's really he's he's solid enough defensively. And, you know, with Cleveland, he was a small forward. Essentially, he played next to two big. So he's he's really versatile uh, in that regard. A little bit of concern, kind of like Kuzma. What happens when you go back to the role you had with Cleveland, where you're not getting as many shot attempts because you've got Chet, you've got Shea and, and J-Dub. And, you know, how, what does that look like? And then if you do renegotiate and extend, um, is that a good price for a guy that might be fourth in the pecking order? Even though I understand he's really good, but like Chet is going to continue to evolve and I think demand more touches. So um, those are some of the concerns I see there. For Utah, I think, you know, you sort of laid out their motivation would be to get multiple draft picks, get a couple of prospects in Jang. Uh, Giddy, the the fit there, again, kind of depends on Keontae George. Um, that's what I would look at there as well. And for Dallas, if they could trade, you know, Rashawn Holmes and a, and a draft pick and upgrade that position, um, you know, that makes sense to them. And they shed some money in the process as well. It gives them some flexibility going into the summer. So just sort of how I would view a trade like this and just to kind of talk to a lot of the, the marketing ideas that I think are, have been floating around lately. Yeah, marketing has been the hot name on the market. This was somebody that I was, I was trying to figure out the best way to do this because I don't really know his value, especially on this deal. And the truth is, like, I think there's still at least a little bit of skepticism that it was a one-year thing and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like 
in a winning context and other things. And if I'm the Jazz, there there are two ways to look at it: is you get out now and you can like tank or whatever you want to do, or you keep him and maybe you know you're not guaranteed you're going to get a guy better than him, or you hold on to him and then trade him in time to get extra picks. So then you're just like unload the clip whenever you finally get all those Minnesota picks from the Gobert mm-hmm. trade and all the Cleveland picks from the Donovan Mitchell trade. And then as far as for the Thunder with Lori Markkinen, I just don't know that he's the guy I would go with. I feel like there are other options. This feels like one of the more knee-jerk reactions of the Thunder needs something, and you're looking around, you're like, who's who could possibly be available? And you're like, I guess Lori could. Like, let's get him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the fit is going to be as seamless. And then the last thing that you hit on is uh, Danny Ainge, which cannot be underplayed enough. I mean, I don't know if you remember back to Daryl Morey asking Cleveland. They said they wanted Tobias Harris in Cleveland. And he goes, okay, cool. I will take Darius Garland and Evan Mobley in exchange. <laughs> Do you know who you learned that from? That is Danny Ainge. And if yeah. Danny Ainge knows how many assets that Presti has, and Presti's talked about before, that just because you have more money, that doesn't mean that people are going to charge you more. Trader Danny is, I think, the exception of a guy who there's a reason why the Jazz and uh, the Celtics, whenever they after they got a lot of those picks and wouldn't move on from the Jalen Brown draft pick or Tatum to go get Jimmy Butler, Jason T- or uh, Kawhi Leonard, those guys. Danny Ainge is pretty difficult, so you don't see a lot of trades for him other than these these rapid ones with Mitchell and Gobert. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think this is just kind of like two bulls hitting heads over and over. I don't know who's going to move, but. I, I just don't see a deal here. I think the Jazz want to play this one out and then go from there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I know Josh Giddy is the popular guy to put into a trade like this. You know, Danny Ainge could say, we're starting the conversation at J-Dub and Cason Wallace and mm-hmm. Picks. And, you know, just, just so people, I, I think a lot of people have just sort of assumed that, oh, well, this could get done with Josh Giddy and some Picks. I could definitely see Danny Ainge, you know, having wanting a lot more than that. And now you have to think if, you know, would you be willing to really give that up? Even if you take Case and Wallace out of the equation and it's J-Dub, do you really want to make that swap? J-Dub is really, really good. And there's a lot of value in continuity. I know this doesn't get talked about like nearly enough. And especially in today's NBA where it's a carousel sometimes, but if your core guys can stick together for a few years and learn how to play, together with each other and play off of each other. I mean, Denver has had some advantage by having that core together over time. So it is tempting sometimes to say that guy might be available. He just made an all-star team last year. Shea is really good. Go do that. But man, it's, you know, the the Thunder historically are not very short-sighted like that. I mean, you even saw the Warriors a couple of years ago where they trade James Wiseman to get Gary Payton back because yeah. he understands how to play in their system. And this right. is not about Josh or anybody on the roster, but I feel like there are a lot of fans who look at the trade machine and they go, here's a guy that we don't want and you should take him. <laughs> and then the team goes, we don't want him. And the fan goes, but he's really good. It's like, well, if he's so good, then why don't you want to keep him? It's like the right. Tyler Hero dilemma. It's like, yeah. he's actually so good. He's better than Tyrese Maxey, so you should take him. It's like, well, if he's that good, just keep him. It's like, well, we don't really want to. And then the other thing is, with these trades, these GMs are not dumb. They're not going to like gonna get swindled by some deal that they saw on NBA Reddit for trades <laughs> of something where it's just like, oh, I really pulled a fast one on these guys. That's why you can yeah. name a lot of the deals 
that are historically bad. The reality is, I think that most of these GMs are trying to get a win on both ends, and they're not just going, how can I do this and screw over the other one? Like the perfect example is the Paul George for Oladipo and Sabonis. So both teams win. And I think that's uh-huh. the goal for a lot of these trades. And it's not as much, Sam Presti's not going from like door to door. It's like, how can I scam this person? Like some fans might want to believe. Right. Yep. Yep. That's what I say. You, you got to step back and look at it from a lot of angles. And, and I'll kind of wrap up on this too. If the Thunder are playing really well, are you sure they need to make a trade? Now, it's the NBA. And like I said, some some movement is inevitable over time. Um, but man, just you know, think really hard. I know that it's tempting to look out there and say, that's a flaw, that's a flaw, that's going to be a playoff problem. Maybe it isn't. Maybe, maybe they're fine with what they've got. So that's the least fun answer. But not making a move is sometimes as valuable or more valuable than making a move. Um, you don't just just make something to prove to the fan base that you're, you know, that you're trying or anything like that. So um, just kind of a final thought on that as well, that uh, it could very well be that no move is the right move and just let this team continue to develop and, and see where it goes. And, you know, uh, in the meantime, enjoy your fun team. It's it's a fun basketball team that's playing really well right now. Michael, thank you for your trade machine. Thank you so much for joining me today on this uh, on this edition of Big Friendly Sports. Thanks for having me, John. It was a lot of fun. I, I hope that I didn't let you down on some of these cap ones. I know one of these, you, you had to kind of bend your morals a little bit for the money, but <laughs> I appreciate it. No, great job as always. So uh, everyone, if this is your first time watching or listening to this, make sure and subscribe. Uh, this is available on YouTube. Uh, every podcast app that you use is has got access. You can download the show, subscribe to it. Um, leave your feedback. Appreciate it all. Uh, give me all the stars if you enjoyed this show. Uh, so please leave a review, subscribe, all of the things that you typically uh, are accustomed to doing when viewing these shows on YouTube. So f- until next week, thanks so much to Michael for joining. Thanks to Jacqueline, our producer for the show. Thanks to Michael Lane for being the creative director and making everything look super nice. Take care. We'll see you next week.